Podcasting from the Star Group, home of the iconic Dressable Lions. This is Beyond the Known, the podcast that takes you a step beyond what you know about business. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, president of the Star Group. On today's episode of Beyond the Known, our guest is Colleen O'Hara, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications for AcraSure. Colleen, welcome to the program. It's wonderful to have you today. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here today. Absolutely. Well, marketing and communications, let's get right down to business, shall we? These are certainly business buzzwords, and I think in all of the competitive environment that we're in today, whether somebody owns a small business, whether somebody's a part of a Fortune 500 company, you ain't going nowhere unless you can market your organization, communicate to your stakeholders, etc. Why are you so passionate about this field, first of all, and what got you interested in marketing and communications? Good question. You know, very true. Nothing really happens without any kind of communications, especially in the environment that we're in today. You know, pandemic environment of everybody having to really rely on digital means of communication, Zoom calls, that type of thing. It's really important to have clear communication and a really defined message that you have a strategy around versus just tactical based. So it's been interesting to see kind of how companies, organizations have pivoted to this new environment that we're in. How I got into marketing and communications, it was kind of an accident, I guess. It was, you know, being in, in college and trying to find, okay, what really speaks to me besides just doing a general business degree. And marketing and communications was something that I just seemed to have a knack of doing. And I will say most of what I do is more even relationship management versus just a communications and marketing practice. So that's always helped being able to connect with people because that's usually how you bring forward the message that you want to communicate or market to a group or a target audience. So was an advertising communications major in college and then shortly after, you know, tried my hand at a small ad firm in Cincinnati and then moved to a manufacturing company back in Cleveland and then fell into insurance and I haven't been able to get out since. So <laughs> here we are today. What a rigging endorsement for insurance. Fell in and haven't been able to get out. Get into insurance, everybody, says Colleen <laughs> O'Hara. Very you know, Believe it or not, I do tell people that even though insurance may not be the sexiest industry you know, to get into, it actually has been one of the best that I've had in my career because there are so many different avenues to take, especially from a marketing communications perspective. You don't think insurance as needing marketing, but you know every industry needs marketing and communications. And there are some pretty interesting facets, insurance to really get into from the agency I came from. I was an agency partner before joining AcraSure. We did you know pyrotechnics and life sciences and some really cool types of insurance. But also it's a relationship business. So going back to my point earlier of really being able to connect with people, insurance truly is a relationship driven business. And so being able to kind of use that skill to connect with folks has been just wonderful. So I do actually, believe it or not, promote insurance as a career path for a lot of folks who just don't know where to go when they first head out. 
Yeah, well, obviously, we're a little biased about insurance here at the Star <laughs> Group. And if you want to talk about our love for insurance, I don't think we have enough time here today. And with respect to marketing, we're also very blessed as an agency to have two of the very best in the business in Cheryl and Rachel. So, yeah, very, very fortunate in that regard. When you talk about a good marketing professional, a good marketing program, would you say marketing is more reactive or proactive? So I'm going to take the politician's answer here and say it's a bit of both. (laughs) I'm not going to commit to either side. And I say that because I think you need to be proactive and that you have to have a strategy because, again, if you start your year just saying, you know, we're just going to try you know, some things and see how they work, you're going to get sucked down rabbit holes and spend a lot of capital pursuing things that just don't ultimately support your business objectives. I always advise, especially our agency partners on what are your ultimate, you know, overarching business objectives, and then layer in strategies and a plan and a marketing sense that supports that. Now that said, life happens. 2020 was a very good example of that, that things happen out of our control that we cannot plan for. And you have to be able to react and pivot. But again, if you have those guardrails up with a strategy that you've put in place and you've spent some time really thinking about how your organization is, what you're trying to achieve, you can still react in a way that still supports that overarching goal that's still within the parameters of what your organization is trying to achieve in a business sense, if it's growth, if it's cost savings, if it's brand awareness, customer retention, whatever those that mix of objectives is, you'll be able to react in a way that still is very much in line and supporting those goals. Yeah, very well said. And I got to assume you've got a very difficult job. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, so maybe I'm uh, wrong about this, but we've gotten to know Acrisure very well as of uh, late here at the Star Group. We're very fortunate to be an Acrisure partner now and telling the world about it, to say the least. But Acrisure has over 300 agency partners all across the country, as you just alluded to. And I just wonder, I mean, I'm sure you have a team And I know you're pretty darn good at what you do, but you're one person. So how do you best provide marketing value to all those partners who are in all these different locations? They're agencies of different sizes. They have different audiences, potentially different products. I'm getting a headache asking this question. (laughs) How are you able to effectively do all that, Colleen? I'm curious. So as you said, we have a really good team. We're a small team, but we're a very mighty team. And we've gotten very good at identifying opportunities that we can create some scalable resources and strategies. So while there are a lot of niche areas within, you know, the partners that we have within Acrisure, a lot are commercial or benefits focused and some personal lines. So trying to identify, you know, strategies and tactics that majority of our partners can implement on the ground level at their own agencies. And then we spend a lot of time consulting, you know, one-on-one with different goals that they have, different challenges that they have, and kind of, again, crowdsourcing those amongst the other agency partners. What are you facing? We have marketing working group that we've set up so that agency partners can kind of collaborate and say, okay, this is what I'm facing as a challenge or a growth, you know, a stall to growth. What are other agency partners doing? What are you finding and implementing that has worked for you? And then our team kind of takes that, digests that information and tries to come up with solutions and tools and then vendor partners that can help support achieve the accomplishment of those types of strategies and and 
overcome those challenges that our partners are, are having on the marketing side. How big is data in your line of work? I mean, you see some people that I got a gut feeling about this. My spidey sense tells me this is a good thing to do versus somebody else who uses objective, quantifiable criteria. The first question is, how big is data in your job? But then the second question would be, how are you using this data to make educated, informed decisions? So I have a, you know, a multi-layered answer for that question. <laughs> um, first, just as a marketing you know, professional, data has increasingly become more important as the years have gone on, especially with the you know, importance and the rise of digital. We're able to track you know, everything online. Everybody has, you know, a footprint digitally and being able to use that information and understand, you know, how that relates to overall campaign performance. And so that, again, you can, as we talked about that strategy, how does this support our strategy or is it doing something that we didn't anticipate and we now have to react and change our strategy based on the information that we are gathering? If you're going to do a campaign or to have an initiative that isn't supported by any type of data or information, it's really hard to track what you're getting back on that investment. So to track an ROI, even if you can't necessarily track revenue, but engagement, what are people doing? What are their behaviors? There are still data sets and points that you can look to to track the type of engagement that you're getting. And that gives you a really good sense of how an overall campaign or strategy is performing. So that's kind of one part one of my answer. Part two is, you know, data has been increasingly important, especially at Acrisure. Over the summer, we had a partnership with Tolco, which is an artificial intelligence company. And so we have really doubled down on data here at Acrisure. And soon our agency partners are going to be able to take advantage of some really awesome AI-driven resources to help with, you know, prospecting, placement, and product, which is kind of this new age of insurance. And I said before, insurance doesn't sound really sexy, but when you're talking about an AI insurance platform, to me, that's something that if you're in marketing, if you're in technology, if you're in you know, insurance, these are things that you can get really excited about because it's something different. It's something that hasn't been done in the industry yet. Even with companies like an insure tech, we're doing something that's truly different and really, I think, going to set us up to be really the most tech-enabled broker in the world. So if there's a business person listening to this and says, you know, I got access to all this data, what data should I be paying attention to? I know that might depend on the type of organization and the type of situation, but question one, is there such a thing as too much data and how do you kind of work through that? And then number two, if somebody has a bunch of data, what are some of the metrics they should be paying attention to most closely, would you say? I think you can get too much data. Again, I think it's not having that overarching strategy that's guiding you and putting guardrails up to say, I really need to focus on, you know, just to keep it simple, I need to look at page views and how many click-throughs I'm getting or email opens. You know, there are so many different data points that you can look at from so many different sources, whether that's your website, again, email platforms, third-party data that you're gathering. So I think, again, having that overarching strategy to help kind of stay true to your cause is helps you filter out, you know, yes, that's great data. It's interesting. Love to have it. Let's put it on the shelf and look at it at a different time. Right now, we need to focus on, you know, these three sets because these are the three that's really telling us where we're at performance-wise. 
And so, you know, again, having that strategy, I think is, is super helpful to just get through the noise that is other data. And now I'm forgetting what your second part of your question. Is there some vital stats that more often than not organizations really should be paying attention to when it comes to marketing efforts and communication efforts? Again, I think it depends on the type of campaign or objectives that you've launched and what you're trying to achieve. If you're really just trying to get brand recognition, having traffic on your website is something that you would want to pay attention to. But if you're looking for more conversion type of actions, who's filling out your forms? How long are they staying on your site? What type of page views are, you know, are they looking at multiple pages? Are they spending a great amount of time on certain subjects? I think it really depends on, again, what those objectives are and, you know, and making sure that you're matching the right data set to the right action. And sometimes that can be difficult, especially if you have a, a vague idea or a general idea of, you know, again, trying to get brand awareness. That's sometimes hard to nail down into an actual data set. But I think, again, looking at what you're doing, what you have access to, and what you can make a tie to say, okay, I know our target audience is going to take these actions, which to us says that it's supporting that brand awareness or we're growing in that sense, or we have a lack there. You know, we just set up a new website and we're not getting anybody there. Why? And tracking it back to see what changed. And maybe there's another data set that can help, you know, discover or highlight what is truly going on. So again, I think it does really just depend on the types of tactics that you're implementing and what you're over, you're trying to achieve and trying to really get pretty focused on, you know, what those key performance indicators are from each of those types of data sets. What would you say are some of the hallmarks of B2B marketing, business to business, and how are those different and or similar to B2C marketing, business to consumer? You know, it's interesting that you say it that way because most of my life I've been in a B2B capacity. However, the way I've put strategies together has really borrowed from more of a B2C because when you think about, you know, a business buyer, they're still acting like a consumer buyer. So if you are looking to buy business insurance as an owner operator of a business, you still go to Google and type in business insurance. You don't necessarily think or act a different way just because you're looking from a business perspective versus a consumer perspective. Just like you would go to Google to, you know, what's the best winter hat you would still kind of use the same tactics no matter what type of product that you're looking for. So I kind of caution folks just, you know, not get totally tied into why well, I'm, I'm a B2B marketer and I have to act this way versus I'm a B2C marketer and I have to act this way. I've always advised, think about your audience. How are they searching? Where do you find them? Put Then you build your tactics and your plan based around those you know, that mentality or trying to get their attention. Does that make sense? I think that's very well said. And yes, I am often Googling for most fashionable winter hats, by the way. So it's like you read my <laughs> I diary. Thought you might. <laughs> I thought you might. When you got a forehead as big as mine, you like to wear hats on a regular <laughs> basis. So as I said, a face for radio. We talk in 2020 about a lot of challenges, and then you pretty much opened up this interview by talking about challenges. I would say the exact opposite of a challenge 
is an opportunity. So as we roll into 2021, rather than talking about challenges, because I think that's all we ever talked about in 2020, let's start talking about opportunities. So with your finger on the pulse, Colleen, what would you say are some of the biggest marketing opportunities for 2021? You know, since everybody's had to pivot to online communication, be a Zoom call, a phone call, whatever, you know, platform to engage, I think the opportunity in 21 is to bring that personal relationship and that personal touch back into your communications, your strategies, and your just overall business sense. So when we're able to go out and meet with people again, I think it's a great opportunity to get out there and be more aggressive, be more aggressive in your visits, your in-person communications or meetings when you can. And I also think, you know, since everything is digital, believe it or not, I think print is going to come back and you're going to see a resurgence of people sending out more printed materials or again, more, maybe that more personalized touch direct mail, because everything, again, it, you get kind of, inundated with the digital communications. People have so many different platforms dinging at them. You know, I just, before we started this conversation, I silenced all my notifications on my phone, on my laptop. So I had, you know, my undivided attention on this podcast. So I think the more that you can break through with maybe non-traditional media, which today is prints and those types of communications, I think it brings that personal element back into the fold where for a long time, we were seeing, you know, digital is the new wave of communication and marketing. And I think given what we've gone through, people are just craving that personal connection wherever they can get it. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, if you are managing a stock portfolio or are looking for companies to invest in, (laughs) Colleen O'Hara says buy print. So there you go. Take that back to your stockbrokers. We'll see if she's correct about that. What would you say, Colleen, so you've got a business owner or somebody in marketing listening to this and says, God darn it, I'm inspired. We're going to double our marketing efforts. We're going to bring our A game with respect to communications. You've inspired me. What are two to three things that businesses can start to do today to help improve their marketing efforts? One, establish a strategy. If you don't have one, start there. And if you don't have business objectives, before you even start with a marketing strategy, what are you trying to achieve this year? Is it just to you know maintain in the current environment that we're in with COVID, trying to keep our head above water and keep those client relationships that we have? Great, then match your overall marketing strategy and communication strategy to support client retention efforts. Think about maybe some of those personal things that you can do, whether it's inviting folks to lunch when it's safe to do so, sending a personal card just to check in or birthday cards. Again, just bringing the personal element so that the client retention is, you know, forefront of your efforts. So again, establish your overall business objectives, have a strategy that supports it. And then as we talked before, what are those key performance indicators that are going to help you understand and get a clear view? Are you actually achieving and on you know, the progress or the path to hit those objectives and to support those overall strategies, whether it's you know, digital website you know, hits, whether it's phone conversations that you have with a client throughout the year, your overall client retention at the end of the year or every quarter, renewals. You know, think about what those types of those measurements that you can actually get pretty focused and detailed on 
and make sure that you're holding yourself accountable, right? It's easy at the beginning of the year to have all these great goals, these plans, and the day-to-day grind kind of eats away at checking in and keeping yourself honest. So I think it's really important to have your monthly, quarterly check-ins, and sometimes depending on what it is, a weekly check-in to say, where are we with this? It's a more agile type of work, but that also lets you be able to pivot quickly. So if there is a change, if you check in on a regular basis, if it's especially something that needs you know a super amount of attention on a weekly basis, then you can say, okay, this is not working. We need to shift gears here and let's try this. It's still in line with our overall objectives, but it's a little bit of a different approach. And then we also need to adjust how we're measuring success in this bucket. Well said. I think that was three. <laughs> I lost count, but it sounded good. Yes. Well said. We, we will just assume that was three. Yes. So Colleen, this next question is going to put you on the spot. I love doing that on Beyond the Known, by the way. Can't wait. And this might be like picking between your children. And I know you have three of them. So this probably is not the most easiest task in the world. But what would you say was the best marketing campaign you've ever seen and why? That I've ever seen, been a part of, or just seen in general? I would say seen in general because you've got some pretty unique campaigns out there, Uh, some big organizations doing some pretty amazing things, even some small companies. But it kind of reminds me of Seinfeld. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. And it's when George was trying to get inside the heads of the women he was courting, you'd have like a fancy slogan like by men in and George's was (laughs) co-stanza. They couldn't get him out of his head. So there's some campaigns you just can't get out of your head. What have been some of the best marketing campaigns you've seen and why did you like them so much? Well, I will say, because I'm in their target group, Delta, I think, has a really strong campaign that they've been able to execute pre-COVID and post-COVID. So given we have so many partners across the country, I was, you know, used to spend a lot of my time on the road traveling and in airports and in, you know, the Delta planes. And they have always done a really great job on all the different platforms that they have, you know, getting you ready for your trip, what to expect, following up with surveys, being really accessible on social media if there is an issue and being able to answer it or at least take it offline to handle it more specifically. Then when COVID hit, obviously any kind of travel industry organization was really hit hard. And I think they did a really good job at, as we talked about, they have an overarching strategy, their customers come first, client care, client service. How do we do that when we don't necessarily have clients? Well, we do that by continuing to support your miles that a lot of us business travelers safeguard those miles and you know we're gonna lose them because no one's traveling. Well, let's roll those over. Let's do some good intention items outside of the things that they're doing on their planes to if you do have to travel making sure that you are safe and feel that you are safe outside of you know the regular air travel safety considerations that they do have also sending you emails on what you can expect because travel is different now what you should be prepared for what you need to be aware of depending on your destination so they just have a really solid communication plan And then their customer service has always been phenomenal anytime that I've needed to call when I've had an issue. So to me, Delta just has a very strong marketing and communications outreach platform. They just, I think, have a solid, you know, solid campaign, solid tactics, but then they've also been 
I think, a really good example of how you need to pivot while staying true to your core messaging and your core objectives. No, that's an excellent example for sure. And what I would say now, while we still have a couple of minutes left, now that we've really tapped into that big marketing brain of yours, let's get to know (laughs) Colleen the person a little bit more because I think there's a, a number of things about you that listeners to this program can certainly learn about. One of your, I know you are a person of many hobbies. You work hard, but you know, obviously play hard and you've got things that you They mean a lot to you, spending time with your three boys, age nine, seven, and eight months. So your life is probably total chaos on any (laughs) given day. Look like an avid golfer as well, like to travel, probably easier to do when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. But what I want to talk a little bit about is writing. It seems like writing is of interest to you. What do you write and why do you enjoy writing so much? You know, as you mentioned, with three kids, it's tough sometimes to find time to write. It's a lot of dirt and noise at my house at any given day. So especially over the past, you know, nine months being stuck in the house with everybody. But to me, writing is a great way to escape and almost kind of do a brain dump of everything that's there. So sometimes my writing is more business focused. So taking to LinkedIn and writing articles, a lot of what we're talking about today, things that I've learned or or I've observed throughout my career, things that I'm hoping will be helpful to other organizations or business or professionals that are looking to either get started in marketing or in your career and just looking for a sounding board or, you know, a different perspective. So a lot of my writing has been on the business side would really it's on my bucket list to write a book one day I don't know what that book will look like it could be a kid's book because that's you know most of my conversations right now are (laughs) very kid-centric or maybe it's a parenting book of you know things I never thought I would hear myself say like get out of the curtains or stop biting your brother those fun little antidotal things I think will could become the book that I write but you know, I think it's a good outlet for me to be creative, to not be focused so much on driving a campaign or a specific tactic. I think it's important to be able to have that little bit of an escape and unplug. So I actually do write in a notebook versus on a computer. And even though that may seem counterproductive, sometimes it's just nice to scribble and cross out things and not feel so compelled to have everything that you're typing be polished and perfect and just again let that flow of ideas out i think that's really important to continue to keep your mind fresh and creative well i've got two thoughts on that one if you write a parenting book set aside a copy for me because i need all the help i can get i've got an eight-year-old six-year-old and three-year-old so i will buy the first copy colleen and other thing is too i think you have a title already picked out for your book stop biting your brother a Guide for Parents by <laughs> Colleen O'Hara. <laughs> Maybe it's not so much a guide or it's just a survival, survival tip. <laughs> survival guide. <laughs> oh, get out of the curtains and stop biting your brother. Oh, that is great. Well, you and I are similar in another regard, outside of the fact that we have three young kids, is I also subscribe to the mantra that you live by. And according to you is, if it doesn't scare you, it's not worth doing. I've subscribed to that myself the last couple of years, but nobody wants to hear me talk. They'd much rather listen to you talk. What does that mantra mean to you? And why would you run towards fear? That not that counterintuitive? You would think, but you know, it's something I heard early on when I made the jump, you know, before when I was leaving 
the manufacturing agency or the manufacturing company that I worked for, I joined for a short time a web marketing firm. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to get back into the agency life and working with clients, you know, different types of clients with different types of, you know, marketing initiatives. And then I was presented with the opportunity to join the insurance broker that I ultimately then to, to join AccraSure. And, you know, I thought I was happy in this position and this was what I wanted to do. And, you know, they pursued me pretty hard. And I said, you know, in five years, am I going to look back on this and regret not taking this chance? And at that time, I heard that line that if it doesn't scare you, then it's not going to challenge you and you're not going to grow. I mean, think about just regular life. If you kind of bob along in the same routine every day and nothing changes, how are you growing? How are you growing as a person, as a professional? And so I think you rise to challenges, you reach within yourself to really pull out the best parts of you to be able to overcome a challenge or overcome something scary. And I think find something about yourself that you didn't really realize existed. So I made the leap and was terrified that I was going to fall on my face. I knew nothing about insurance didn't know how I was going to run a marketing department for an insurance broker. And then here we are, you know, years later with AccraSure and it's just been a wonderful experience. And I've applied that mantra to personal and professional that sometimes it's painful and it's scary to grow, but you know, you turn around and look at where you've come and it's pretty incredible to see where you started and how you didn't think that you could, could do half the things that you've accomplished. Well, one of the things that we do before individuals appear on this program is we try to get to learn them a little bit by sending them a questionnaire, and it provides a good guidepost for conversations like this. Rarely do I read things verbatim off of these questionnaires, but this was extremely enlightening. It's very well written, and I have to read this line for line, and I would love you to just kind of provide some color based on this information that you provided us with. So one of the things that you had said under the what drives you heading was this, I find myself being driven to prove to myself and sometimes others that I can do things or achieve success in areas a former version of myself may not have thought possible. I thrive on being underestimated. I like that. I thrive on being underestimated and rising to challenges which seem out of reach. Can you provide a little, I mean, that's very well said. Can you provide some color on that? What, what exactly does that mean to you? And has this kind of been your mantra for a while now? It has. I guess I've always been pretty determined. And if somebody says to me, no, you can't do that, or that's just not something for you, my, and maybe it's the stubborn, you know, Irish, Slovenian, German heritage that I dig my heels in and say, oh yeah, we'll watch this. And <laughs> and go ahead and prove them wrong. And, you know, I think, you know, my younger self, it was just to do that, to prove somebody else wrong. But as I've gotten older, going back to that, if it doesn't scare you, you don't grow. It's, well, can I do this? And how do I know I can't if I don't try? That I have to actually give it a shot. And at least I can say to myself at the end of the day, you did try and you gave it your best shot. And I think sometimes trying a new experience or taking on a new role or whatever that challenge is, it puts you in a place that you may have never expected, but it's actually the best place for you. 
So you may have not thought taking, you know, a job or a move or whatever that is was going to end in the way that it, you know, it puts you again at, at a different path in life where it's brought you to a, a different role or just again that that internal growth that you you've had that you never would have been able to experience or even share with others had you not taken kind of that leap of faith. And I think that's the other thing is not only are you doing this for yourself, but for others to, as well. You know, you don't know what type of, you know, what you're doing, what you're pursuing, how that impacts other people. And if you hadn't taken on that challenge, you would not have crossed paths with them perhaps and not been able to influence them to do the same thing, to challenge them themselves to take on additional experiences or opportunities they may not have done without knowing you. So I think that's, you know, getting a little maybe altruistic about (laughs) what we're talking about, but I do believe that, you know, there is something to be said about being underestimated and I, I do thrive on it. It's been something that's been with me from day one, but I think it's matured over time to not just prove somebody wrong just for the sake of proving them wrong. It's really, how do I use this as an opportunity for personal growth and to also maybe contribute or mentor or give back to somebody else that I may not have been able to if I don't take on this opportunity. Well, Colleen, this exact moment right now is both a blessing and a curse. It's a curse because, gosh darn it, we're out of time. But it's a blessing because, as I said, now that the Star Group is a partner with Acrisure, I know this isn't going to be the last conversation we have. And I know that as an agency, we're going to be able to tap in to your marketing expertise and your skill set in this area. But in the short term, it was wonderful to have you on Beyond the Known. Thank you for a delightful conversation. And I look forward to building this relationship moving forward. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And again, welcome to Acrisure. Really excited about working with you guys. And and hopefully there was, you know, one sentence or two that that made sense in all of it. <laughs> Only three. Only three. But it's hey, more than what you okay. just said. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Colleen. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Known with Paul M. Newberger. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out at stargroup.com. That's S-T-A-R-R-Group.com slash podcast. We're also available on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts.